Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, I'm bringing you guys my risky running backs for the middle rounds of your 2020 fantasy football draft. I'll be talking about these guys and telling you whether you should draft or kind of fade away on these risky running backs. Obviously, they all have risk, but some of them, to me, have just that higher upside rather than guys who I think are really, really going to concern me to have on my 2020 fantasy football team. So before we get into it, if you guys end up at any point just enjoying this video, please make sure to click that subscribe button down below. It's free and it really helps me out. I'm going to be producing content every single day all the way till the end of the 2020 fantasy football season. Help you guys lift that fantasy football trophy, win that money, kiss that belt, do whatever you get for winning. Even if it's not for money, you're just winning that pride. And that's what's really going to make you want to win your fantasy football championship. So let's get right into it. Risky running backs for fantasy football in 2020. My Twitter is on the screen as well at NotoriousFNTSY. So let's get right into it. James Conner running bike of the Pittsburgh Steelers FFPC ADP 31.69, which is much higher to be honest with you. FFPC is the platform where higher stakes fantasy leagues are played higher stakes means just leagues that are like a hundred plus dollars so he goes much higher in there than what you actually typically see in your typical redraft league like on uh, ESPN NFL all that stuff so six foot one 233 pounds his workout metrics aren't too hot but we have seen James Conner be one of those guys that proved to be and look like an elite talented running back after Le'Veon Bell ended up holding out that year he was riding the jet skis it was not last year but it was the season before in 2018 he was chilling out in Miami James Conner comes in there and he's absolutely butt fucking defenses but last year we saw the side of James Conner that we all knew was going to happen and that is his injury proneness James Conner Pittsburgh Steeler obviously ADP running back number 21 off the board. He finished last season as running back number 35, 10 games played, but he finished as running back number 16 in PPR points per game with 14 point six so when he's healthy he's one of those guys that's probably going to be a top 20 back if not even a top 12 back if he could stay healthy all season but obviously that's a huge concern when you're talking about James Conner 116 carries 11.1 per game 28 that running back 464 rushing yards 46.4 per game 40th that running back 39 targets 3.9 per game 36 that running back 34 receptions 3.4 per game 31st at running back 251 receiving yards 25.1 per game 32nd at running back red zone touches 19 1.9 per game 45th at running back and his total tutties was 717th at the running back position. So James Conner last year probably would have had a great year, even though Big Ben wasn't even healthy, and he could have actually have finished as one of those top 15, top 20 guys had he not have gotten hurt. But obviously there is the injury concerns. They date back to his fucking first year where he was the starter two years ago. He ended up getting hurt, but he ended up coming back. Now his durability is not really in question. The guy does get hurt, but he comes back like two weeks later and plays. The guy always has that nose to get back into the game, which hurts him and helps him at the same time. Because I know when he gets hurt, you're going to want James Conner to come back and be like, okay, he's taking off two weeks. You want him to come back. But in reality, the guy should be resting three or four weeks and then come back and be fully healthy. But he just doesn't have that mindset. He wants to be the guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And right now, to me, he is that guy. This 2020 NFL draft was filled with a loaded class of running backs, but the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't end up drafting one in Anthony McFarland until the fourth round. So what does that mean? What that means is that they don't necessarily view the running back position as a number one priority. They could have gotten a guy like Jonathan Taylor. They could have gotten any of these guys in the second round, but they decided to go other ways. So what this tells me is either they are very, very bought in on the fact that James Conner can 
play good when he's healthy, and they have a good surrounding cast around him. They have guys like Benny Snell. They obviously drafted Anthony McFarland, and they have another running back back there as well who's a good pass-catching back. So they have tons of talent around James Conner. So if James Conner was to go down, they wouldn't be too worried about it. But I think what this tells me, though, is the fact that they didn't draft one in the second round tells me, to me at least, that they are not concerned with James Conner's health. They know he probably won't play a full 16 games, but if he could play 13 to 14 games, I honestly think his ADP is right where you need to draft him. Now, I'd like to get him a little bit later than where he's going in some of these drafts because the reason why he goes higher in a lot of these drafts is because they've seen James Conner ball out. We've all seen it. If you've been a fan of football for the last two years, you've seen James Conner absolutely look like he made Le'Veon Bell feel silly for trying to hold out. He made Le'Veon Bell look like an idiot for holding out because he was balling out in Le'Veon Bell's spot. They have a good O-line in Pittsburgh. That's what Pittsburgh is built upon, having a good O-line. So I think James Conner could really succeed this year. Something funny that I actually want to note is these are games James Conner played. In split is with Big Ben and out of split is without Big Ben. So with Big Ben, he actually averaged less numbers on pretty much everything. He averaged less PPR points, less half PPR points. He averaged more receptions actually without Mr. Big Ben, more receiving touchdowns without Big Ben. He had more targets with Big Ben in four versus 3.88. He had more receiving yards with Big Ben, 28 versus 24.88 per game. He had 10 rush attempts versus 11 without Big Ben and 0.5 touchdowns versus 0.38 and 27 rushing yards with Big Ben versus 51.25 without, which these numbers I just found to be funny because you would think they would all be a lot higher with Big Ben healthy, but they actually weren't. But I think that's because they relied heavily on James Conner in these games where Big Ben wasn't there. The quarterback play was very suspicious last year, very suspect, I should say. It just wasn't all that good with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, who got his head fucking caved in by Mr. Miles Garrett. So I think James Conner this year will be a pick that I'm not fading. He's a guy that I kind of like in the middle rounds, but he's not one of those guys that I'm overwhelmingly having a super strong opinion on. He's not one of those guys that you see in like the fifth round and you just absolutely come in your pants thinking, holy shit, I got James Conner on an extreme value, your eyes roll in the back of your head, and you just get that glorious nut in your pants, but it's I just don't think that's how it's going to be. I think he's a guy that I'm not fading, I'm not trying to hop on board, but he will land on some of my teams. So overall, if I had to stick my flag on do not draft or draft, he's on the draft side for me, but please, please, please know that this motherfucker is not going to play 16 games. If he did, I would be very surprised that I really like James Conner as a guy and as a player because I see the immense talent, but the injury history is obviously very, very, very concerning. Next running back up to bat here, Raheem Mostert, running back of the San Francisco 49ers FFPC ADP 45.5. 38. His workout metrics are pretty good when looking at compared to James Conner. 5'11", 186 pounds, undrafted, free agent, out of Purdue, 28 years old. So he's getting up there in age, but he's been in the league for a decent amount of time. 4.42, 40-yard dash, 95th percentile, 53rd percentile speed score, 96th percentile burst score, 74th percentile agility score, and 51st percentile bench press. Now, with Raheem Mostert last year, he put up a hell of a season for a guy you didn't really expect to do all that much. His ADP is running back number 25 right now, so he goes slightly later than James Carter. I think their ADP might end up flipping by the time we get 
to August where people are really going hard in these fantasy football drafts. Running back number 26 last year in 16 games, 11.1 PPR points per game, 30th at running back, 137 carries, 9.1 per game, 31st at running back, 772 rushing yards, 51.5 per game, 25th at running back, 22 carries, 1.5 per game, 55th at running back, 14 receptions, 0.9 per game, 58th at running back, 180 receiving yards, 12.0 per game, 46th at running back, red zone touches 16th, 1.1 per game, 48th at running back, and total tutties 10th, number 9 at running back. So if you guys have enjoyed this video thus far before we finish giving my analysis on Raheem Mostert, please click that subscribe button down below. So what has really changed from last year to this year that's kind of changed my opinion on Raheem Mostert? Now there are some things that are kind of worrisome for the San Francisco 49ers and not really worrisome for the team, but worrisome for Raheem Mostert. So Jarek McKinnon should be healthy and Jarek McKinnon is not one of these slouches who can't catch balls out of the backfield. He will be taking Raheem Mostert's pass catching opportunity, but I think we can see Raheem Mostert being an 1,000 plus yard rusher this season. I think Raheem Mostert is a guy who a lot of people are really hyping up to be one of these guys who's a potential league winner in the middle rounds of the draft. I don't see that. I think he's going to finish as like a top 20 running back, but the value is good late enough, but I just don't see a top 15 potential form due to the fact that I think Jarek McKinnon is going to be there in the backfield healthy, and the fact that Jeff Wilson is still there. They're still going to use... The thing with the fucking San Francisco 49ers is that they like to run the ball. They run the ball a whole lot, actually. If you could look at these stats real quick, the team finished second in run percentage last year at 51.39%. And the last three games was actually using 64.16% run plays because they didn't really seem to believe in Jimmy Guap deep down in the season. And they didn't in the Super Bowl, even though he made an excellent play at halftime, a dime deep down the field to George Kittle that ended up getting called for pass interference that really screwed the San Francisco 49ers out of winning the game, but the 49ers kind of screwed themselves because they tried to be all cute, run the ball, do this, not trust Jimmy G, and then at the end of the game, they had to trust Jimmy G, and he ended up choking, but with that said, Raheem Mostert is going to be getting touches like it is his job, and it is his job. He's going to be seeing a lot of work, but the running back by committee system in San Francisco is very, very fucking strong because one week it'll be Mostert. The next week, Jarek McKinnon will get a million touches. The next week, their fullback will see like 30 touches in Jujajik or whatever you hell you say that guy's name. He gets a million touches. So I'm a bit worried about Raheem Mostert. I would say I think his ADP is going to shoot up to the point where I'm not trying to draft him. I think he's fine right now, and he is a draft, but I think he's going to move up to the point where I'm going to be ending up fading Raheem Mostert in 2020. Next guy, or actually more stats here, I'm so sorry, to talk about here, is actually Raheem Mostert's splits in games with Matt Burita versus without Matt Burita because Matt Burita ended up getting hurt, but that man got his ass shipped to the Miami Dolphins, which is obviously a bonus for him, but still, even with Breida gone, they still like to run that running bike by committee system in San Francisco. So 11 games played with Matt Burita versus four without. In his games without Matt Burita, it was four games versus 11. So in those four games, he averaged 12.65 points per game, half point PPR points per game, versus 10.15 with Mr. Matt Breida in the game, 10.55 PPR points with Mr. Matt Breida versus 13.28 without. So his point total was going up. Without Matt Breida, he actually was getting more receptions, 1.25 per game versus 0.82. His touchdown total went down in those games, but that's obviously because it was 11 games versus 
four. His receiving targets were one more pretty much without Mr. Matt Burita in the game. He had around the same amount of receiving yards. His attempts were two more without Matt Burita. His touchdowns in the rushing game was .5 more, and his rushing yards were about 20 more without Matt Burita. So I think we're going to see a better version of Raheem Mostert this year, but I think the fact that Matt Burita is gone is really going to elevate this guy's ADP, which is going to in turn hurt his value. So looking at the third guy here on the list, I have four guys for you in this video. So DeAndre Swift is the next guy on the board. Detroit Lions running back FFPC ADP 52.81, foot eight, 212 pounds out of Georgia, 21.4 years old. Obviously, he's a rookie, 83rd percentile 40-yard dash, 80th percentile speed score, and 62nd percentile burst score. But I don't think that really tells the whole tale of DeAndre Swift because the guy's an excellent pass catcher. He's a guy like Alvin Kamara who you can just see absolutely eviscerate a DB, put that guy's ankles in the closet and run away. So his ADP right now is running back number 24, so smack in the middle. He's actually getting drafted above James Conner, which to be honest to me, I really see concerns with. I am going to say it before I even read his stats. I don't understand the DeAndre Swift love at all at all. Like, I really don't fucking get it. I don't understand why people love this guy so much. He is legitimately in a fucking committee of death. This is the committee of fucking death in Detroit, which I'm going to go more into after I read his stats. So in his junior year last season, he played 14 games, 196 total rushes for 1,218 rushing yards, 6.2 yards per carry. Obviously, anything north of five yards per carry is very good for college. 30 targets, 24 receptions, 216 receiving yards, eight total tutties, and a 7.20% target share in that Georgia offense. Very good stats, obviously, for a player in college, but it's very easy to be a fucking great running back in Georgia because they are just a fucking, literally, a warehouse of making or a factory of making these running backs. They're just churning these running backs out. Todd Gurley, Sony Michelle, to name a few recently that came out of Georgia. Now, why I say this is a absolute running back hellhole, why you don't want anything to fucking do with him, and now I'm off of Carrion Johnson. You don't want anything to do with either of these guys. You just fade them, you close your eyes, and you just pick anyone besides them because they are going to absolutely raw dog you and do you dirty when you need it at the the, you just don't need it at all, actually. You just don't need to get absolutely dicked down by Mr. Matt Patricia and that pencil in his ear. So Detroit last year finished 18th in run percentage with a 39.86% run rate, run percentage, I should say. 15th, they finished 19th last season in run percentage in 2018. So 2019, 39%. And in 2018, 39% as well. And now he will split with Carrion Johnson. So Carrion Johnson was splitting with all these fucking scrubs around him. Now you have DeAndre Swift, who's very good, and Carrion Johnson, who I understand Carrion Johnson has those injury problems. He truly does. He's a guy I'm very scared of. I'm not drafting him either. But both of these guys, if they're both healthy, are going to get absolutely put in the dirt by each other. DeAndre Swift is a great pass catcher. Carrion Johnson is a comparable pass catcher. He can catch balls out of the backfield. And Matt Patricia just won't fucking hand the ball off. It doesn't make sense. He comes from New England. New England likes to run the ball, and for some reason, Matt Patricia's fucking pencil must have been deep into his goddamn brain because he must not have heard what Bill Belichick was talking about, how you run the fucking ball. They just don't do it. DeAndre Swift is going to be garbage this year. Once Carrion is ultimately gone, once Patricia's ultimately gone, DeAndre Swift is going to be an excellent running back for fantasy football, but that's not going to be this year. DeAndre Swift is a certified bust. Let me know what you guys think about DeAndre Swift, but I don't really want anything to do with him, so he's going into the fade pile. Fade the fuck 
out of DeAndre Swift. Final running back here, Devin Singletary, running back of the Buffalo Bills, FFPC ADP 46.92, foot seven, 203 pounds. And his workout metrics look as awful as it gets. His best comparable I thought was funny is Deion Lewis, but I don't really even see that. But, you know, I guess the website does. So Devin Singletary, Buffalo running back, ADP number, running back number 23. So these guys are all in the 20, pretty much the 20 to 25 range. And I'm going to be honest yet again, I don't like Devin Singletary at all. Running back number 32 last year in 2019 in just 12 games. 12.3 PPR points per game, 28 that running back. I also believe he threw a dime in that Thanksgiving game to John Brown. Excellent throw, or John Brown threw a dime to him, one or the other. 151 carries, 12.6 per game, 29th at the running back position, 775 rushing yards, 64.6 per game, 24th at running back, 42 targets, 3.5 per game, 33 at running back, 29 receptions, 3.4 per game, 37th at running back, 194 receiving yards, 16.2 per game, 43rd at running back. His red zone touches 20, 1.7 per game, 42nd at running back, and his total touchdowns were 4, 42nd at running back. So why do I not like Devin Singleton? Terry. Well, it's fucking simple arithmetic. You saw what happened last year. I'm going to pull it up on your screen right here. Frank Gore played 16 games and started six. He only started six fucking games. Finished with 166 carries. Devin Singletary was playing a bunch more games than that where he was starting and he only got 151 carries. So what the fuck is going to happen this year? The exact same goddamn thing. They, they obviously don't have Frank Gore. Frank Gore went over, you know, he hopped on a bus and fucking went a couple hours from Buffalo to New Jersey to get onto the New York football Jets, even though the New Jersey Jets, because they play in my home state of New Jersey. He is in the exact same situation, but instead of an old man, Frank Gore, who will be pretty good, if I'm being honest with you. Frank Gore's a fine running back. They bring in a younger guy in Zach Moss, who they drafted in the third round out of Utah. Now, I understand if you watched my content before the season, I talked about how Zach Moss was a, he's a pussy, he, oh, my pussy hurts, and he fucking got out of the combine, which I thought was funny, but at the end of the day, Zach Moss is a comparable running back, both of these guys were drafted in the third round, so obviously, and they don't really have too much love for Devin Singletary, if you're going to draft Zach Moss in the third round, a guy that a lot of people looked at as a top 10 running back in this class, I think Devin Singletary, we're going to see the same thing as last year, the guy is immensely talented, he could definitely do it, but the problem is Zach Moss, or Frank Gore, in this case, is going to be Zach Moss is going to be there to riddle his day and Josh Allen also is going to riddle his day because that motherfucker is good for seven to ten rushing touchdowns every single year he just tucks the ball in and runs through there instead of handing the ball off to Devin Singletary or Zach Moss that's obviously worrisome for Devin Singletary and I think at the end of the day this Buffalo team is just going to look to split the carries so evenly that I really worry about Devin Singletary I'd rather take the latter option in Zach Moss much later in the draft because if Devin Singletary was to go down Zach Moss would be amazing Obviously, the same thing could be said, though. If Zach Moss was to go down, Devin Singletary would be amazing. But you obviously have to keep in mind you're drafting Devin Singletary in, like, the fifth round, and you're getting Zach Moss in, like, the tenth round. So who's really the value there? Clearly, Zach Moss. So thank you guys all for watching this video. If you ended up enjoying my analysis at any point, you had a fun time, maybe you thought any of the jokes were funny, please click that subscribe button down below. I love each and every single one of you. Click the subscribe button on the screen or one of the videos that's on your screen as well. I love each and every single one of you motherfuckers. I'll see you guys tomorrow with yet another banger of a video. Good boy.